they discovered upon their arrival was almost unspeakable. We are all evil in some form or another. I'm not guilty. <laughs> the dead won't bother you. It's the living you gotta worry about. If I couldn't keep them there with me whole, I, at least I felt that I could keep uh, their skeletons. Hello! Hi! Welcome <laughs> to the Bad Taste Crime Cast. I'm Vicky. I'm barely Janelle. <laughs> yeah, she had to stop for tea for her throat. I got the laryngitis. <laughs> Jeez. So if we sound a little sick, it's because guess what? It's cold now in kind of in the I mean, Midwest. All it I takes did, is one person to be at work and it's fucked. Everyone's sick. Oh, so true. <laughs> I saw snowflakes the other day Shit, at work. What? <laughs> yeah. I worked in an office with windows, which was amazing. And it was funny because the, one of the people that I work with went on the intercom and was like, guys, it's snowing. Like I'm, <laughs> So I got up and looked out the window and sure as shit, it was. And I couldn't believe it because it was... I can't either. It's not time. So it was October? Or I no? think it was October. Or was it the beginning I can't of remember. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was still in October. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Man. Whatever. People keep saying they saw snow, like Halloween and like the first week of November. And I'm like, where was I? Because I saw nothing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> maybe you were just choosing not to see it like the rest it's of us. That's what I do I just, with most of things. <laughs> just decide I that just doesn't decide exist. to unsee everything. Yeah. Well, we are back again for another great episode of murder, crime, <laughs> scary things. I don't know. For the holidays! Yes. Yes. It's almost Thanksgiving. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which and is mortifying. He, I guess. Is this, like, the last part of this year is just like, boom, 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 done. Yeah. I don't know. I'm really <laughs> excited about shopping. I love Christmas. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. Ooh, is it a commercial holiday? I don't care! Do people say that? Oh, yeah. There's oh. this... Um, okay, I'm about to get real rude. Oh, boy. Okay. Spoiler. There's this <laughs> bitch at work who's like... She's like, I don't like Christmas. If I hear a Christmas song, I'm gonna fucking punch someone. And I was like, pump the brakes. If you start... Talking ill about my Christmas music, I'm gonna punch you. Now, here's the thing: is I have a hard and fast rule that you have to celebrate Thanksgiving before you can celebrate. Oh yeah, celebrate Christmas. So, like, I would really rather not hear any Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Oh no, after I that, totally agree. But she's like, nothing. Period. No, way. no Christmas music. Period. No I was way. like, bitch. Uh, I love some <laughs> Christmas carols, but yeah. we're not there yet. Oh, I'm gonna follow law all up in her fucking face. <laughs> We gotta do things. We gotta do Thanksgiving first. Sorry, so I'm like I'm like the reverse Grinch. I'm I'm like super like, pissed if you don't like Christmas. Ultra Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Now we gotta celebrate Thanksgiving first. So mm-hmm. we have a great uh, Thanksgiving episode planned for you. But first, we're gonna start with some Shum- stuff in the news. Have we have we come up with a name for this? We keep naming our segments except for this one. Crime time. Okay, that sounds good. Right off the top of your head, bam! Crime time with Frankie. Crime time nightly. I don't know. That sounds like a news show. Whatever. Um, so today we're going to talk about a story out of Le- Lenexa, Kansas. Justin Ray, a 34-year-old father, was arrested after being found inside a small storage unit where he was believed to have been living. They oh. found him with his two daughters. One was a toddler and one was a five-day-old infant. There was no food or diapers at the scene. And they also found a small cooler containing the dismembered remains of his wife. 
Yes. So, uh, Ray Yikes. told the police, police that his wife had died during childbirth, but authorities haven't really, like, been able to confirm that yet. It's Mostly still really your body's early. in the cooler. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it's not like, <clears throat> I mean, I guess it could have been, like, a home birth or something. Right. I was looking, um, again this morning for some info about this, and there are some people who are now saying that he was t- also telling police that she committed suicide. But it still doesn't really explain why he had he her body in the cooler. Yeah. yeah. So not really sure what's going on there. They haven't charged him with anything yet. Um, he is currently jailed on a $1 million bond for two counts each of aggravated child endangerment and contributing to a child's misconduct. But they haven't like charged him with murder or anything yet because mm. they don't really know what's going on. So I just found that to be interesting. Yeah. What the, <laughs> why do they have to live in a storage locker? Why couldn't you just stay at home? Well, and the thing that they hadn't have been there, they they hadn't been there for long because the infant was only five days old. Yeah. So if she would have died in childbirth, it would have been five days before. So it's like, I, you know, I don't, I can't even tell you. I don't even know what was going through this guy's head. It's freaking gross. Yeah. So it's not every day you find somebody in a storage unit with et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Yes. Um, I also really quickly wanted to revisit the case of Alex Wubbles, who was the nurse in Utah that was um, forcibly removed and pretty violently arrested back in mm-hmm. July after refusing to allow an officer to draw blood from an unconscious patient she who needs, had been involved like, the in a commendation or something. I, first of all, <laughs> yes, I wanted to talk about her because <clears throat> I truly appreciate the way she has handled the whole thing. Mm-hmm. She very much um, didn't. After it had all happened, she didn't jump to, like, necessarily sue anybody or whatever she said. I want to kind of wait, talk to all the parties. And she was very, I think, level-headed about how she handled the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, She did reach a uh, $500,000 settlement with Salt Lake City and the university that runs the hospital, which I find it interesting that she had to, like, get a settlement from the hospital, too. I was curious about that, but... When my sister works for a, has has worked for a ton of hospitals, yeah, um, they're very very protective over the sort of like patient doctor privilege, which is what she was basically fighting for, right? Um, so they have to probably why she waited was because they have to get their legal team together yeah. and review it before yeah. anything can be done because it could be a twofold thing. Because the hospital could sue the police department and she could sue separately. Yeah. Um, and if it's a university as well, that could yeah. be threefold. So mm-hmm. the university could also sue. Um, um, <clears throat> so she did say she was going to use a portion of the settlement um, to, she's going to donate it to a local nurses union. And then she is taking, I thought this was really cool, some of the funds um, to help with legal fees for others trying to obtain body camera footage from police. Oh, nice. Um, During an interview with the Salt Lake Tribune, she said, we all deserve to know the truth, and the truth comes when you see the actual raw footage, and that's what happened in my case. No matter how truthful I was in telling my story, it was nothing compared to what people saw and the visceral reaction people experienced when watching the footage of the experience that I went through. So I thought... Good on you. Like, yeah, that's really awesome. It's amazing. It's just another case of somebody taking something really shitty and turning it into this kind of positive yes. thing. I mean, that footage, if you haven't seen oh it, my God, it's, it's crazy. pretty fucking ridiculous how yeah. rough that cop was with her. And yeah. just, like, chasing her around the hospital. Not, like, chasing, but, like... 
coming after her. Forcibly removed is, like, definitely a good way to describe it. Because she was literally, like, dragged out. And I think she was doing the right thing. She was following policy. The officer didn't have a warrant. The gentleman wasn't, um, I believe it was, like, a DUI crash, and he was the victim. Like, he wasn't the one who was drunk. Yeah, Yeah. And he was, yeah, exactly. He wasn't conscious. So, you just have no... consent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So... Good situation that she, I think it's good, good situation yeah. now. <laughs> Better sure. situation. Yeah. She, she did a good job. Um, I agree. So, I see your notes and I'm excited about yeah. what you're going to start talking about. All right. Cause we'll I move on through it yesterday. To Netflix and chill. Oh, I was thinking about this. I thought, should we call it Netflix and kill? Oh my God. Stop yourself. I okay. love it. No. All right. I love it. Do um, it. so. First of all, they announced American Vandal season two. I still haven't finished the first season yet. Um, because not, I still have not finished the last episode. I'll be honest with I you. Netflix was like, we're going to release all our content at one time. And because there's so much shit. Stranger Things season two. Mm-hmm. I still haven't watched season two of Master of None. I don't know if you watched that. Yes, I watched that. Season two of Love. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I watched that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can tell. So they just <laughs> release everything at the same time. I'm trying mm-hmm. to get it all mm-hmm. together. But... Um, it's going to be out on November 28th. They haven't really announced anything specific about it. It looks like it's going to be about the same school, but like a new group of students. And I thought it looked different. It looked like it was a private school. Like uh, It kind of did, with, but it's the same director. Right. Like, well, like yeah, the, the quote-unquote director, yeah. narrator. Um, but they did release this. Um, it was like a date announcement teaser trailer thing, mm-hmm. so you can check that out. But... Um, just that it's coming out November 28th. So that's yeah, cool. That's exciting. Second thing is that they, Netflix also just released a series called Alias Grace. Did you see it? I watched release the of this? whole thing Did yesterday. You? <laughs> okay. Well then. So, so just, spoiler, I watched the whole fucking thing. <laughs> a little background. Um, it's set in 19th century Canada. A psychiatrist weighs whether murderers should be pardoned due to insanity. It's based on Margaret Atwood's novel by the same name that was published in 1996. And the book is based on the 1843 murders of Thomas Kinnear and his housekeeper, Nancy Montgomery in Upper Canada. Canada. Mm-hmm. Two servants of the Kinnear household, Grace, uh, Grace Marks and James McDermott, were convicted of the crime. McDermott was hanged, and Marks was sentenced to life in prison. Uh, imprisonment. The series itself is based on factual events, but it's like a historical fiction. Yes. For afterwards. So, since you've already watched it, and I have it, I think it looks really good. What, it's how amazing. Was it? it kind of talks about um, the psychology of. A female murderer, a little bit. Okay, I did that. Um, it also talks about a lot of, like, the sort of, fin- like, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? The phenomenon where people were getting into spiritualism, like, that sort of occult, okay. like, thing that was coming out in yeah. the late 1800s. People wanted to, like, there was a lot of talk about performing seances. Oh, and, like, yeah, okay. It got a little dark and weird, and there was, like, a hypnotist in it, so it's... Okay. It goes a little bit into the realm of sort of supernatural, like talking about what a supernatural like cause it could have been, um, but it definitely makes you question what the fuck happened 
Because there was a lot of back and forth going through the present time into the past because she's sort of retelling her story. Okay. All right. So it's a lot of back and forth. So it's kind of like a Rose and Titanic situation? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, where she's, like, telling it for present day. There like... is far more gore, though. <laughs> there are parts where it's like... All right, I'm down with that. Uh, you see someone uh, chop off a leg and hold it up like it's a leg of mutton. Okay. So that was exciting. I'm down with that. I'm down with <laughs> and that. And someone getting sprayed in the face with blood. Also, very exciting. <laughs> it's like everything I enjoy. Victorian also era, enjoy, oh my God, people so with true. accents. Uh, <laughs> I love people with accents. Gutting that. people like they're uh, a pig, you know. I can't wait. It's good. I got, I got a couple of things to get through first, but it's as on soon my list. Because I, I love Margaret Atwood's books, and as soon as I saw that come up, I was like, ho oh, oh! ho! I just clicked and just... Fell off the face of the earth for, like, five hours. <laughs> yeah, and I think this was one of those things that I got, a, like, an email about that was like, we're adding something that you might like. It's oh, great, because I, I, I like know it. about Oh, you think I like crime? No way. It's funny, because I no almost way. texted you yesterday as I was watching to be like, Vicky, you must see this! And then, psh, there you are. You already knew. <laughs> well, to be fair, I was watching something else that we will actually talk about in the next episode, <laughs> but... To be fair, it was, like, research for the podcast. Yeah, Netflix you know. is, like, it knows me. It's too. my excuse to do, It knows like, me research. better than my boyfriend, so, really. So <laughs> yeah, me, me too. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we said we had a Thanksgiving-themed episode for... <laughs> turkey murders. No. Turkey murders! Yeah, murders so... turkeys. This is that part of the show where we say content might not be appropriate for all listeners. Um, we Especially are talking about... Them. If children. you have families, <laughs> if you have a family, <laughs> you're not an orphan. Uh, but we are going to be talking about chi- you, be talking about child death today. Yeah, so you're going to wish you were an orphan after this episode. Yes, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Okay. Because you're going to be like, oh. So I had this great idea <laughs> that Thanksgiving is all about being thankful and being around your friends and your family. And what would be more appropriate for a Thanksgiving episode than talking about some cases of familicide? Yeah. Do you, I have a question for you. Do you say it familicide or familiacide? I say familicide because okay. familiacide sounds stupid. Oh, fair. <laughs> Why do you say it the other way? I don't know. I was talking, <laughs> about, I was talking to my mom about it and she was like, is it familiacide? And I was like, I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. I mean, so we'll I guess that's how you... Yeah, I say familicide because I say family, not familie. Yeah. Familie. <laughs> familie. Maybe if you're in France. Or Italy. Yes. Uh, yeah. Familia. 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 Italian. <laughs> so, we're going to talk about familicide. <laughs> okay, so, familicide um, is also known as, like, like a family annihilator. That's what a lot of people yeah. call it, because familicide, I guess, is too hard. <laughs> I don't know. Pronounce, family, right? family annihilator is like that sounds intense epic. too. Yeah, Ugh. it sounds like a a really bad version of the Terminator. Um, <laughs> the family annihilator. The family annihilator. So it's a, I'm gonna do like a little general like what is it? Corner was Janelle over here. Um, so it's a type of murder suicide generally, in which multiple close family members are killed. In sort of like a quick succession, um, more often than not, it's like children and spouses, or sometimes like your siblings and parents, because um, occasionally it's like a child doing it. Um, if you think like 
the Menendez brothers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're family annihilators. Mm-hmm. Um, in half the cases, the killer then kills himself. Um, so we also kind of think of, like, you know, Andrea Yates, Andrew Peterson. Yeah. Those people um, were one of the few that didn't kill themselves, but more often than not, they do. Um, or they try to get the police to kill them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, there are far more creepy, shocking, weird familicide cases, oh, for sure. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. Um, so I kind of just talk about this study that I read, too. Um, a lot of times it's a question of kind of like a, a mental health issue. Um, and a lot of these cases, it's an assumption of like a disorder, um, kind of a state from the father. So they usually are a parent, so like a mother yeah. or a father. Um, mm-hmm. However, more often than not, it's a man. Um, the study that I was reading was done in 2009, and they found that uh, 68% of those who killed their family had a history of like depressive symptoms, and 38% showed borderline traits of a personality disorder, so like multiple personality disorder. Um, and it is an estimate of 95% of the cases are perpetrated by males, or the head of the household. Yeah, which is an insanely high number. Isn't it? Like, insane. It's grossly insane. Yeah. As I was doing research to try and find a good case that wasn't really well known, um, it was mostly men. Oh yeah, for sure. However, when you do have the cases of the women, they are far more sensationalized oh, and covered yeah. far more, because um, it's kind of a common thing to think of women as like a nurturer, and yeah. uh, that it wouldn't be... Something in a woman's nature necessarily, but right, right. It is. And I think that the, t- the type <laughs> of coverage is. that they get is a lot oh, different yeah. too. It's a lot more <laughs> like, um, I mean, they're going to talk about things like what she's wearing in the court, yes. or so you know, goes, the peep, the men that the she's seeing. Exactly, or, you know. it goes uh, usually two ways when you cover cases for women who uh, are perpetrators of familicide. Um, it goes the, like, the way, like, she's mentally insane. That's mm-hmm. more common than not, like, the issue, even if the person is not, like, crazy in, like, a clinical sense. Um, they always push that first. And then the other one is she was just trying to get out of her marriage and her family and be, like, a single swinger hussy. That's usually what happens when they cover cases of, uh, women. When they cover cases of men, however, they go into this thing where it's, like, uh, they feel inadequate as a man or a father, and uh, yeah. they can't control their finances, or they have a, a mental breakdown because of an employment issue. Yeah. That's always what happens with a man, but you never really see that with women. Yeah. It's like, oh, there was too much stress on him to be the provider, and it's like, well, couldn't there also be the same stress on a, w- a woman as well? Yeah. To be the actual provider to the children directly? Right. Maybe. Oh <laughs> um. So it's, they focus a lot, too, on, like, the key factors of, like, rage, the male rage. So when they, he starts to feel inadequate, he, like, pushes down all this rage, and he starts to um, kind of direct it towards his partner or his children, and that's when you start to see um, affairs, a lot of a lot of affairs happen um, mm-hmm. before a, someone decides to do a family annihilation and also crazy financial changes. So like yeah. taking out insurance policies on their entire family or closing bank accounts or like huge spending sprees out of nowhere to get rid of like their cash. Yeah. That's a lot of times what happens. Yeah. So I'll put up the case study. It really breaks it down. It talks a lot about um, men 
and the psychology behind it, and then it kind of briefly discusses women, but they really focus on the males, as it's like, you know, 95% of the cases are men. Yeah. <laughs> so, it what is, the fuck? Is, it's like I said, insane. It is. Um, I did look at some stuff, too, um, at the National Institute of Justice website. They also said some common risk factors include prior history of domestic violence that mm-hmm. could play into it, um, having access to a gun, which is like the minute that something changes that financial problem. If you're, you know, say your wife says she's going to leave you and take the kids, like the fact that you have access to a gun, Mm -hmm. holy shit. Um, Threats, especially increased threats uh, with increased specificity. Mm -hmm. And like you said, prior history of poor mental health or like substance abuse, alcohol abuse. Um, They, I I did find it really interesting that 95% of the case, that's still, it just is a huge number. That is excruciatingly high. Yeah. (laughs) Um, There are cases of women committing familicide. Mothers Quite a few. Yeah. Not, obviously not quite as many. More recently. Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Mothers are far more likely to take the lives of their children, believing they're saving them from like a hardship. Mm-hmm. Um, and will take their own lives, but they're actually a lot more unlikely to kill their husbands. Right. Um, whereas in the case of like males or like the head of the household, you know, um, committing a familicide, oftentimes he will everyone else. take everybody <laughs> yeah. and then himself. Mm-hmm. Um, this, of course, really made me want to look into a female annihilator. Female, female annihilator. Female family annihilator. <laughs> Let's try that again. <laughs> yeah. um, and I do have one that's like my all-time favorite. Okay. <laughs> and I'm very excited. It's this Your really... MVP female yeah, family yeah. annihilator. <laughs> the story is just, it's truly bizarre and it's really disturbing, mm-hmm. Okay. I'm so ready. here we go. Let me buckle up. All Let's right. Do it. <laughs> so on May 19th, 1983, at about 10:48 p.m., a woman pulls up to the Mackenzie Willamette Hospital in Springfield, Oregon. She's driving a red Nissan with Arizona plates, and the car, with its horn blaring, just comes careening into the emergency room entrance. Oh my god! Um, so immediately, like doctors and staff. They just, like, sprung into action. This is really weird. Somebody just, you know, driving up crazy, like... It's like a Grey's Anatomy situation. Yeah. Yeah, you can <laughs> almost kind of picture it like the beginning mm-hmm. of a TV show. Yeah. Um, out of the car stepped a young blonde woman in her, like, mid-20s who was, like, frantically pointing at the car. She was yelling, somebody just shot my kids. Over and over, it seemed to be, like, the only thing that she knew to say. Somebody shot my kids. Um, One of the nurses dialed the police, uh, and the other nurses kind of, like, went over and started looking at the car. And there was blood soaking um, the side panels of the interior of the car. And they also saw three children, one in the front passenger seat and two in the back. Mm -hmm. They could tell that the one in the front was a girl. She was about seven or eight. And there was a girl in the back, maybe just a little bit older. And the boy in the back, who was only a toddler. Um, The staff at the hospital rush the children inside and do what they can to help. The two children in the back were, like, just barely alive. Just, Mm -hmm. they were still breathing, but just barely and the child in the front was pretty much pronounced dead, um, dead on arrival, essentially. It was, like, not too long after they had gotten there that they 
pronounce the child in the front dead. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, they would find out that the children were identified as Christy Downs, who was eight years old, Cheryl Ann Downs, who was seven years old, and she was the girl in the front, and Danny Downs, who was three years old. Okay. Just a little baby. Yes. Um, so Diane Downs, who was the mother of the three victims. Uh, Diane's a name for a bitch. <laughs> It's so true. (laughs) Every Diane I know is a bitch. So the cops get to the hospital and Diane recounted to authorities what happened. According to her, the family was driving home from visiting a friend when a man who was kind of famously described as this bushy haired stranger. And I didn't realize that was like in it, like in police terminology, that's like something that they use to describe this person that never seems to surface. Like it's kind of this mysterious stranger. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So he had waved them down on this desolate stretch of road, assuming that this guy needed help. Diane pulled over to see what was up, which honestly, I'm sorry if it's nighttime and I am a mom with my three kids in the fucking car. And there's a bushy stranger. (laughs) Like, why would you pull over and help anybody? Anybody. Right there. Like, in the middle. Starts to be sketched. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, um, so when she stopped, she said the man pointed a gun through the window and shot all three of her kids, and she also got shot um, once in the left arm. Mm-hmm. Police immediately issued an emergency watch on the city and the county roads, thinking there was like some sort of like hitchhiking madman out <laughs> on the roads. Just um, fucking Pecos Bill shooting yeah. this guy. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they <laughs> sent everybody out trying to find this guy. Members of the sheriff's office were also sent out to question her at the hospital because it happened within the county, and so the county sheriffs got right. involved. Um. When they got there, she was, like, just getting finished up, getting all of, like, her wounds treated. Mm-hmm. And uh, the man who was the first officer to question her, his name is Sergeant Rob- Sergeant Robin Rutherford, which is, I feel like, a total cop name. <laughs> it's very, Rutherford, like, yes. yes. Um, <laughs> so he was the first one to actually question her, and he noticed that for somebody who had just had her three kids shot and who might not survive, she was a little too chill. A little chill. Yeah. Yeah. She was a little too chill. And I definitely feel like I make an effort to not judge somebody's demeanor because you don't know how you would react in that situation, but at the same time, it's like, if your three kids just got shot... (sighs) You'd be in shock. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen to me... My life, where I, I mean, like, where I look back at it now, I'm like, yeah, I definitely do not react the way a normal person, a normal, let me put quotes right. on that one. Yeah. Like, when I got into that car accident when I was 16, I smashed my face into the back seat and blacked out, and I was just like, get out of the car, everyone. Like, oh my god. I was way too calm. Yeah. And I was covered in blood. Oh <laughs> my like, god. A normal 16 year old girl would be like, ah! right? Yeah, right? You no. were just overly prepared. I, I was just like, everyone was like, exit the vehicle. Yeah. Exit the vehicle. 
<laughs> so, but he did say, yeah, she was kind of unusually calm. She seemed to be in, like, full control of her senses. It wasn't, like, a shock kind of thing. If you think about, an adre- like, an adrenaline rush. Yeah. If you're, if this legitimately, like, happened, and you had to race to get your kids to the hospital, you'd probably still be on that adrenaline high mm-hmm. before you come crashing to the ground and have yeah. an emotional response, you know, because you're like, I need to get to the hospital, I need to get to the hospital. Right. That's probably all you'd really be worried about. Right. So... You know, take that with a grain of salt, I guess, you know. Um, They asked Diane to attempt to take them to the exact spot where, like, this attempted carjacking had happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was able to do that from memory. Sheriff Rutherford could see it, like, was it really a spot where this young mom um, would stop to, like, help a stranger on the side of the road. Um, so upon returning to the hospital, Diane was informed of the death of Cheryl, who was uh, her daughter in the front seat, as well as updated on the status of her two other children, Danny and Christy. She seemed to take the news exceedingly well and even remarked when told Danny had a chance of surviving. Do you mean the bullet missed his heart? Gee whiz. Did you just fucking say gee whiz? Gee whiz. <laughs> Is this an Archie it was comic? The what the quote fuck? Quote, unquote. Yeah, I know. Well, oh it was in the, what did I say, 83? No they, one is using G-Wiz in 83. Did they still say G-Wiz in 83? <laughs> no. Oh, my God. So, immediately, police started investigating this, of course. It's like, style, okay. Stuff seems a little fishy. They start to yeah. build this, like, chronology of events that led up to the shooting, as well as trying to gather some more background on the Downs family. They had determined that the bullets were 22 caliber from either a handgun or a rifle. Powder burns on the children indicated that the weapon had been fired at extremely close proximity. Yeah. Um, especially on the wounds of Cheryl, Did who they was do the a, deceased child. A powder resin test on her? I don't know that they specifically did that on her, because mm-hmm. I don't know if that was something that they did at the time. That's right. I, I'm not sure on the yeah because there was the like, technology of that. Well, and even in like the 80s, there was this like acceleration of forensic technology mm-hmm. between like 60s it's to like computers, man. Where it was just like all of a sudden, there's all this stuff that they had never had before. So I'm not honestly sure. Yeah, because um, that would probably, I think, be a huge indicator. Oh yeah, obviously. Oh yeah, if it was close proximity. Yeah. Um, Blood spray had indicated that the gun had discharged from the driver's side or the left side of the car, um, Mm -hmm. which did... Doesn't mesh with her story, really? Well, it did, because she said that the guy reached through the window um, of her side to to shoot her children. Um, So it did kind of match this bushy-haired stranger story. Okay. Um, So investigators had Diane recount the events of the evening leading up to the shooting, and she said that her and her children had a quick bite to eat at home before they went to this uh, co-workers of hers. It was like a kind of a co-worker acquaintance is what I got the impression of. They Mm -hmm. weren't like super close friends. They kind of knew each other. I'm going to bring all my fucking kids. Yeah. If someone did that, I guess from my work, I'd be like, "Get the fuck out of my house right now!" 
This is a wine night, first of all. So Ladies true. only. What are you doing with your kids? <laughs> I'd be like, listen, oh, hell no. <laughs> to be fair, neither of us have any kids. We don't have children. So, I'm just going to throw that out there. Yes. Um, I want to hang out with you. I want to hang out with you, not your kids. This isn't a birthday party. Although I love your kids, it's not right now. Yeah. For wine night, bitch. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the... She took all of her kids and they went to this co-worker's house. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that her her co-worker had mentioned that she was considering buying a horse. And Diane, so Diane, being, it's so random. being the nice person she is, she sees this ad for a horse rental in the newspaper and thinks, oh, um, she would really like this information. And she didn't, because they weren't like close acquaintances she didn't have her phone number so instead she thought well i'll just drive it over there not i'll see you at work with the fucking article cut out (laughs) yeah i I don't know she just decided to drive the article over herself she also said it was kind of like an excuse to get the kids out of the house where they had been in the house all day and Mm -hmm. like be able to kind of get out for you know a little bit so fucking weird I, that, I had to drive so this article about a pony rental over to my a po- a pony super rental. not even a friend house. <laughs> That's a woman that I work with. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so they go over to this coworker's house. They stay there for a few hours. And Diane and the kids leave. They decided that, well, she decided that she wanted to cut through some, like, back roads to the main highway. Um she also kind of thought that the, she said the kids liked um, sightseeing and the moon was out that night and it was like a really nice moon. And so she thought, oh, the oh kids would God. really want to like take in this moon that's out tonight. So we're going to take the back roads and it'll be like a scenic route to the okay. highway and it'll be all good. <clears throat> so she did that. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's So oh, once <laughs> she turned onto this back road, she spotted this mysterious stranger. She described him as a white male in his late 20s, approximately 5'9", 150 to 170 pounds, dark hair with like a shag or like a wavy cut and like a stubbly beard. Okay. Which, if you think about it, is like literally your average white guy. Everyone who lives in Oregon. Man. Oh, like, Seriously, or woman. It is the, it's your average. It's so lumberjack true. chic. <laughs> yes. Um, he was also wearing a Levi jacket and an off colored t shirt, which is literally the exact Again. same thing everyone wore in the 80s, not mm-hmm. just an Ori. It's just like, it is like the description of can the I have average the most general, man. Can I just have the most general description, please? So that's what she gave to the cops as a description. Um, I guess if you keep it vague, you know? Yeah. She So she kind of like decided that the guy probably needed help and she braked and the way that it was that it was kind of like described, it sounds like she started to get out of the car. So she's kind of like standing out of her car with the door open, but she's not on the other side. She's like on the inside of the door. Yeah. Um, she gets out of the car and the stranger produces a pistol from his jacket and demands that Diane give him the keys to the car. She said no. And so he like reached past her through the driver's side, opened fire on the children and then tried to reach for the keys. And Diane fights back and she slaps his hand and says, no, no, no. <laughs> So she's she's having this oh fight back with the guy who's trying to get the keys, and she, like, attempts to get back into the car mm-hmm. when the stranger fired one more shot, and it hit her in the arm. 
And after that, she was able to, like, slam on the gas and GTFO, like, get Mm -hmm. the fuck out of there. And her only thought was that she needed to get her children to the hospital. Right. Okay. So very much like woman in distress kind of story. Okay. So police, of course, had some initial suspicions, as many of you should know, I think, if you're into true crime. The left arm is a really common place for people to shoot themselves if they want to make it look like there was a phony assailant, basically. Which is like, duh, if you're right-handed, hello. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Shoot yourself in the arm that you write with is the moral of the story. Right, yeah. (laughs) Um, So they... The cops, of course, knew this, too. And I would hope so if they're right? cops. <laughs> and I will say, I feel like the police in this case did an excellent job. Mm-hmm. Um, he So anyway, the police thought that was suspicious, but they kind of, like, decided to wait for the evidence to come in before right. they made any rash decisions. Because the, the other thing, too, is, like, you have somebody who's claiming that they were attacked... And you don't you want to explore everything. Yeah, you don't necessarily want to like victim blame either exactly. is the thing too. So you no got to be kind how of outrageous it. and sensational their right. story sounds. Yeah, um, Diane did agree to sign a search warrant for her home, and she did admit to owning a couple of firearms. One was a thirty-eight caliber pistol that she used for protection at work. She was um, she actually worked for the U.S. Postal Service and was like a delivery woman. Right there, red flag. <laughs> She kept one in the car? Um, no, that she's worked for the post office. <laughs> oh. Oh, yes. That's Haven't true. you ever heard the term going postal, Vicky? Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> um, so she would keep it in her car under some, like, rags. And that's where <laughs> they had it. Oh, with a gun, yeah. It's a gun. Um, and she had a 22... your glove box like no. a normal person. No. Oh, my God. Well, well, it is Oregon. I think they probably have, like, concealed carry... Something out there. I don't think the concealed carry laws were as strict as they yeah, no way. were back no. now. Uh-uh. <laughs> um, she also had a twenty two caliber rifle for protection in at her home. car. I was like, no, in her no. car as well? No, no, no. She, oh it, was, it was literally like the police went and they could see it was co- like literally collecting dust on a shelf okay. in her house. Yeah. Um, so, so I know. So they, they also took her Nissan to the crime lab for forensic testing. Not my Nissan. <laughs> was it a station wagon or a van? I forget. Um, I always, I think I imagine it as a station wagon. I, I think I it was like a station, station wagon. wagon yeah. Cause it's the eighties. Yeah. A station wagon. Um, so <laughs> they take that in as well as collecting additional evidence from the children. They got like photos of the wounds inflicted on Cheryl. They got some of the bloody clothing from the hospital, et cetera, et cetera. Did she have any defensive wounds? Did they talk about that at all? Like, she said she was fighting back. Yeah. I would imagine she'd have scratches she or had, bruises on herself yeah, if she was fighting back. She had, it was the gun, the gunshot wound on her left arm, and it did say she had some scratches. There was also some talk about her telling the police that in this whole scuffle, she threw her keys in, like, into the bushes to be like, no, you can't take my car. So she, like, threw her keys into the bushes. So okay. then how did she speed away? I don't know. Okay, see, there's holes in I this don't story. Know. I also, can you. you imagine, like, if she was, like, setting this up, and she did it herself, and she was like, okay, I have to make it look like I got into a fight, and she just starts rolling around the on the ground in the bushes, like, 
just rubbing sticks all over her face. Imagine like, being the be car, scratched. the car that drives past, just like some woman rolling right. around in the gravel. He's like, like, what, what is happening? <laughs> oh so <my> God. <laughs> police are collecting all this evidence. Diane, meanwhile, she was finally allowed to visit her remaining daughter, Chrissy, who is in the ICU. Um, with, of course, the nurses were there, and there was an investigator with her at the bedside, too. Mm-hmm. Um, they noticed that she would tell Christy, I love you, but it was, like, very cold. Mm-hmm. And kind of, I saw it described as, like, through um, her grit teeth, like... Oh, so the way I say like, I love you to people, I too. Love like, you. Like, yeah. Like, like the way I say I love you to my parents. Yeah, it was, like, very chilling. Like an angsty teenager. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, they also noticed that Christy had this um, pretty dramatic change in behavior when her mother would like walk in the room. She would she would have like this fearful response, right. um, which should be a huge indicator. Yeah, and <laughs> actually, there were reports that that one of the nurses, when her mom came in, watched the heart rate monitor, and her heart rate went from yeah. 104 beats per minute to 147 beats per minute when she entered the room. So. That's not super great. No, not Um, not at all. Police did confirm with Diane's co-worker that she was there that night and her husband was also home. So he saw her and the kids and that the reason for the visit indeed was this like ad for a horse rental. So like that checked out. Mm -hmm. Um, I do just want to give you at this point some quick background on Diane Downs. She was 27 at the time of the shooting and she had previously been married to a man in Arizona who was the father of the three children that were in the car. Okay. So um, she had remarried then? They, they had gotten divorced in 1980, and okay. so she was just a single mom. Just a single mom. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Steve Downs, her former husband, who still lived in Arizona, the investigators went out, and he told the investigators that she kind of liked to bed hop. So she oh. was a little... A little hussy. A little bit. Just a touch of um, <laughs> But the two of them were still friends, but mainly they kind of talked about, like, stuff that had to do with the well-being of the kids. Right. Um, they also noted that he seemed pretty genuinely upset, like, with the news that his kids had been shot and was, mm-hmm. like, making plans to get up to Oregon as soon as he could and all this other stuff. Um, they also asked him about... There was potentially an affair that Diane was having with a married Arizona man. Um, And Steve said, yeah, this was happening. It was another guy that worked with her when she lived in Arizona Mm -hmm. at a a post office. But the pair had kind of like split and the guy went back to his wife. Um, Although they pretty much discovered that Diane still kind of held this torch for him. And there was even, um, they went and questioned this guy that she was having an affair with. And he kind of, um, it seemed to me that he was kind of like trying to leave her and go back to his wife. And she was like, no, I want to stay mm. with you. Wasn't making it easy. And like to finally get her level to leave. Level 10 clinging. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Level 10 clinging. Um, to, to get her to leave, he said, well, I why would I want to be with a single woman with all these kids? Trigger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Flipped the switch right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Steve Downs, her former husband, also kind of spilled the beans, so to speak, to police um, that actually Diane owned three guns instead of the two that dun, dun, she dun. originally told police. <laughs> the plot thickens. Yeah. <laughs> and so he made the cops aware that the third firearm she owned was a twenty two caliber pistol, 
Although when they asked Diane about this afterwards, she completely denied this. They um, were honestly never able to find this supposed 22 caliber pistol. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, so at this Did point, she throw it in the same bush as the keys. <laughs> well, she found <laughs> the keys. Chuck it. Because she <laughs> drove the car to the hospital. No. Which means she didn't. She'd be like, uh, I don't she didn't do that. throw the key. Right? Um, so at this point, nobody, like, literally. <laughs> she puts dirt over yeah, it. right? Nothing to see. <laughs> nobody involved in this investigation believes her at all, well, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hello. Um, nobody thinks there was this mysterious guy on the road that night. There were, like, way too many questions that were left unanswered. They're going to say there were way too many guys on the road. <laughs> No, there's there this whole so line of people. Yeah. Um, so, for instance, if the killer wanted the car, why wouldn't he have just shot the driver instead of, like, shooting all exactly. of her kids? Um, like, what would he have had to gain from killing the kids? Like, this is... These are some of the things that they were wondering. Like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't she just shoot the driver? Yeah. That doesn't make sense. take the kids out of the car. Take the kids or leave them. They're not gonna fight. Either way. <laughs> yeah. Um... So, there was other evidence that pointed to the shooter having been seated in the driver's seat. Um, mm. Forensic scientist Trajectory. James O. Pex, and <laughs> yes, I think that was part of it. Yeah. Um, he was from the Oregon State Police Department. Um, he found, after examining the interior of the car, that there was blood smeared on the passenger side doors and in the rear seats, like pooled in the rear seats where the three children were shot, but there was like no blood at all on the driver's side. Okay. And the thinking is, is that if you were shot, like if you were truly, somebody shot you, Mm -hmm. you would just as a reaction immediately go to like put your hand on the wound or something. So in the very least, there should have been blood on the steering wheel Mm -hmm. from the driver being shot and there really wasn't any. Um, They also talked about that they found it odd that there was no gunpowder particles present on the driver's panel of the door. Right, because it was that close. Right. You'd see some residue. Yeah, because it was, like, literally spread all over the rest of the car. Mm-hmm. Um, they were scouring the area of the shooting to find the weapon because they basically thought, we don't really have a case to bring without this weapon. Mm-hmm. And they even went down, there was, like, a river that ran next to this area where she sat. They went down into the river to, like, look in the river. Um... And they could not find this weapon. Um, meanwhile, they found out that Christy, who was the surviving daughter, she had actually suffered a stroke as a direct result of her gunshot wounds. It had to do with, like, blood loss, I think. Right. Um, so her speech became really distorted. Doctors thought she might not speak again, which, in the long run, if she needed to testify in court... That would make things really, really difficult if the case was ever brought to trial. So they continued to gather all this evidence and they discovered um, letters and diary entries at Diane's house that she, um, it showed that she was still in love with this man in Arizona. Um, Like very in love. They talked, she had like masturbation poems that she would write. Wowzers. Yeah. I mean, it was intense. When I say intense, Wowzers. it was, like, intense. Yeah. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say she did, like, you remember those, like, games where it was, like, you'd spell out their name and, like, you put, like, married children in, like, the little circle game where you'd, like, write mm. numbers and stuff. I thought you were going to be, Mash? Like, 
Yeah. Like, mash. Okay. I thought you were going to be like, she just did like 20 pages of mash on no, the No, 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 no. It was <laughs> masturbation poems. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm trying to keep down my sous vide egg bites over here. <laughs> so they also happened to find out that the bullet casings that they found at the scene matched... Um, some bullet casings that they had found at Diane's house. She says meaning, loose casings hanging around. Well, meaning that they had been fired out of the same Gun, weapon. Right. Yeah. Um, gotcha. Although they didn't have the weapon, weapon, so that's kind of a tricky thing. Um, and in the meantime, they were also able to find this additional witness that refuted Diane's claim of immediately driving to the hospital. It had to do with the timing and the amount of time it took for her to get from this place on the road to the hospital. She said she was rushing there. The witness had come forward and said, no, I actually saw her at this earlier time and she was driving like 10 miles an hour. Uh Yeah. So it wasn't like this whole urgent thing. Right. Yes. Um, Sunday driving to the hospital. (laughs) Yeah. So they finally, um, the, the grand jury proceedings began to determine if they had enough evidence to charge Diane Downs with the murder and attempted murder of her children. Through So this is all going on. They're presenting all this evidence, see if they can charge her. Diane actually becomes this, like, media darling. Oh she God. was on the news everywhere, of course, claiming that there was a stranger that had shot right. her kids. Um, she was kind of seen as this, like, underdog that was being picked on by the government or by the police and like the big government wasn't able to find this bushy haired man and they're just picking it yeah um some news outlets even refer to her as princess die as in shut d-i-e shut up princess oh, die amazing i know oh my god i was like Oh, my God. It's seriously, though, if you get the time, like, go online, check out some of these interviews that she did. It's super creepy. She, like, acts really casual. Sometimes when she's on the news with other men, she's, like, kind of flirty. And, like, this oh it's God. really what weird. Job. Yeah, it's super weird how she acts, like, really casual about losing. Like, at this point, she had already known that she um her daughter had died. One of her daughters had died and she could possibly just be losing the other kids. Like it's super weird. Um, she had also during the grand jury proceedings gotten pregnant. Like they talked about how she went out and met with one of these lovers that she had and she got pregnant during the grand jury proceedings. My God. Um, and so the next time she was on TV, she noted the symbolic nature of her pregnancy And this is what she said to a TV reporter. She said, quote, I got pregnant because I miss Christy and I miss Danny and I miss Cheryl so much. You can't replace children, but you can replace the effect that they give you. And they give me love. They give me satisfaction. They give me stability. They give me a reason to live and a reason to be happy. The fuck is wrong with you, bitch? (laughs) So weird. Oh my god. Yeah. I don't feel like that would be a normal reaction from a truly grieving mother. It's crazy. It'd be like, fuck, I'm pregnant? What? 
<laughs> so I and, and and the fact that she was straight up coming out to the media and being like and I know I can't replace my kids, but I can kind of replace what they give me. Like, so and weird. If you, this is the thing that I like to do when I talk to people is listen to the amount of times they say me, 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 I, 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 I. Because that's a huge mm-hmm. indicator of someone's character. Totally. And we've talked about that before. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, it's just like, ugh. I just get the heebie-jeebies. And honestly, I probably said it with a little bit more emotion than she did. Probably. um, When she gave the interview. So there's that. Yeah. Super That's, ugh. So finally, on February 28th, 1984, Diane Downs was arrested on one charge of murder, two charges of attempted murder, and two charges of criminal assault. Yay! Because <laughs> um, her one kid's made it though. Like yeah, both all of the way. Her two oh, other two children other? survived. Oh, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. yeah. I thought two died. Okay. No, um, just the well, I don't want to say just the one, but the one that was sitting in the front seat died. Okay. Um, the trial began on May tenth, nineteen eighty four, which I actually thought was she's arrested on the twenty eighth, and the trial started on May tenth. I thought that was kind of quick, but you know, I guess it kind of depends on. Yeah, I mean, how if much they really want to get they, to that fucking. You know, yeah. Well, a lot of push. times I feel like there's all those pre-trial hearings, things right. get delayed, but yeah, it really was just like, bing, bang, boom. The trial itself, though, lasted for six weeks. Okay. Yeah. So, um, the jury, I found this interesting, the jury consisted of nine women. Which, they knew how to stack it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there were many notable moments that happened during the trial. Like, you guys really check it out. It's super weird. Um... The most surprising one was that Christy Downs, who was her daughter that had a stroke, mm-hmm. um, that she was able to testify at the trial, um, basically because of her age at the time of the shooting, the doctors were able to to rehabilitate um, the like re- rehabilitate her speech and kind of reverse the effects that the stroke had, like because of her age. Right. So she's she, still developing. So. Yes. Yeah. So she was able to actually um, testify at trial, which was awesome. Um, Props to that little kid, man. I know. Um, so. And also keeping it fucking cool under pressure every time your murderous mother comes in there. Yes. The, and all the, the only reaction you have is your heart rate slightly elevates. Yeah. Like, geez, kid. So, um, <laughs> Anne Rule actually wrote a book about this whole you thing. You know, I love me some Anne Rule. Um, and so I want to just read this little excerpt. This is what's happening when, um, and I forget, I should have written this down, but the name of the defense attorney, or I'm sorry, the, um, prosecuting attorney he, first of all, did a fantastic job. He definitely, like, built a bond with this child. So if you think about it, she would have been, like, eight or nine mm-hmm. at the time of testifying. And, thought, like, cared really deeply for these children. And you could tell when he was um, questioning them in court. Like, he had to stop himself from kind of tearing up. Because every time, like, her eyes would meet her mom, she would just start crying. And it was this whole thing. Right. So, um So he had asked her to kind of like recount what had happened that night. So she, she says she leaned over, um, over to the back seat and shot Danny. Chrissy said, what happened then? Hughie, H U G I Hughie. That's the uh, prosecuting, prosecuting attorney. Okay. Um, Hughie prompted. (laughs) Maybe. Sandwich. (laughs) Um, what happened after Danny got shot? The child caved in under her tears and Hughie hugged her, knowing this must come and wanting it 
wanting to get it over with. I'm sorry for reading like a robot. Um, <laughs> beautiful. Um, he gave her time to find her voice once again, then quietly, sympathetically, he went on. He gingerly rephr- rephrased his question, for by this time, the court had already gathered what Diane Downs did after she shot Danny. Do you remember when you got shot? Hughie asked her. Yeah, she answered. Who shot you? My mom, she said simply. And so she goes into court straight up, has to accuse her mom of murder. I mean, she told she told her what happened, you know. So that's probably it's just rough. Um, so on June fourteenth, nineteen eighty four, which I want to point out is my birthday. Um, <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> the jury unanimously found Diane guilty of attempted murder in the first degree, guilty of a second count of attempted murder in the first degree. Guilty of first-degree assault and then a second count of first-degree assault and guilty of murder. Because Oregon didn't have a death sentence at the time, um, she was sentenced to life in prison plus 50 years for using a firearm. And between the verdict and her sentencing, Diane had actually given birth to a baby girl who she named Amy. That's not her name anymore. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, she was given up for adoption, and the okay. adopting parents, I Changed think, gave her, her a different name. Yeah. She has just mm-hmm. recently, I think in like 2010, finally stepped forward um, and did, yeah, she did like an interview she, on 1984? Oprah. Um, yes. Is she like 33, she 34 now. Yeah. Um, so she actually had come forward just recently and said that she was uh, this daughter of Diane Downs that had been adopted and kind of came out and told her story. And she had even talked about how she attempted to kind of like make a connection. Mm-hmm. But Diane was writing these letters from prison that was just like spouting nonsense. And it was like the whole reason like there's she has people out there keeping an eye on her and the whole reason that Diane is in prison is to keep her safe like to protect her from all these yeah okay. so she kind of ended it there and Just I think she's writing matters. a book yeah yeah um so as it is with a lot of the cases that I decided to cover you would think this is <sighs> the last time like you would hear about Diane Downs um no, but no, no. <laughs> no. but in 1987 she actually briefly escaped from the Oregon Women's Correctional Center where she was being incarcerated oh my god um she was recaptured after 10 days in Salem Oregon and she was actually transported to the Clinton Correctional Institution in New Jersey which is more of like a maximum security center mm-hmm. and then she received an additional five years for the prison escape um and both of her remaining children christy and danny survived although danny is confined to a wheelchair um she was up for parole in 2008 but she continues to maintain her innocence oh um <laughs> excuse me this is what she said at her parole hearing she said Over the years, I have told you and the rest of the world that a man shot me and my children. I have never changed my story. Her story, however, has changed. (laughs) Of course. Several several times. Um, She has gone from the shooter being one guy to being two people. And she claimed that she even claimed that the shooters were drug dealers. And then later that was changed to corrupt policemen involved in drug distribution, which I think is part of the like she's being kept in prison to be kept safe from these police officers kind of a thing. I don't know. (laughs) 
Um, obviously, they denied her parole because well, they're yeah. not going to grant you parole Hello. if you don't take ownership of your crimes. Exactly. It's just not something they do. Um, she was up again for consideration on or in December 2010. But she still claims no responsibility for the shooting. Her next parole hearing is in 2020, so two years. Um, Jesus, fuck. (laughs) She currently resides in the Valley State Prison for Women in Chowchilla, California. You know, I mean... So, uh, and why didn't she just send her kids to live with their father if she really didn't want to deal with them? I don't know. You save the whole pesky thing of having to murder someone. Yeah, I'm not sure. And I kind of got the impression that, like, the father, I mean, he, I feel like the dad definitely cares for his children, but, mm-hmm. like, it wasn't a huge deal for them to be living with their mom. I don't know. It yeah, kind of I mean, just like send them a... down there for a vacation and then never pick them up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, don't, I guess. I mean, sort of. So, <laughs> yes. Or, so, yeah. you know, just drop them off at an orphanage. Like, before you start shooting people in the fucking face, like, there's options. Yeah. If you got a baby, take them to a fire department. Leave them in a little basket. They'll take the baby. I'm sure if you leave, like, five-year-olds in baskets, they'll still take them. Yeah. Just drop them off at an <laughs> orphanage or something. Like, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, so... <laughs> I am pretty convinced that she did it. Well, yeah, I'd say. Um, Obviously, you could you can see why I would choose this one because it's just a fucking crazy story. I always find it interesting when you have stuff like this happen, and the person has the audacity to do numerous police interviews and interviews with the media, going on TV and the news and this and that, and it's like, what, what? Uh, yeah, it's just, it blows my mind a little bit, yeah. It kind of, as you're talking about it, reminds me of Gone Girl, and just, like, the elaborate setup that she had done when she was, like, faking her abduction. It made me think of that. Really? Yeah, and I was like, ugh, why am I drawing parallels between Gone Girl and this, this woman? That's not good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess she got lucky that they couldn't find the murder weapon. I mean... So to speak, because she's still in prison forever, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, you don't necessarily you know. need a murder weapon. You have a mm-hmm. fucking eyewitness. I mean, probably two. I, I imagine her son probably yeah, testified against her, too. Is the fact that the doctors were able to rehabilitate her daughter mm-hmm. definitely made the difference, because um, I don't think any of the cases... Because I have um, looked at and done a little research into a couple where children have had to get up on the stand and testify against their parents. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's a single one where the jury hasn't found that defendant guilty. Um, if the child gets up and says, yeah. my, my mom or my dad did X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. So. That's fucked, man. Yeah. Hopefully this won't happen to you on Thanksgiving. Is that the uh, oh, <laughs> family? Uh... There have been moments where I was like, take me now, Jesus. I could have inserted a a turkey into that story somewhere, I think. A bushy-haired turkey. turkey. The turkey came out of the bushes and was like, give me your keys. Pow, pow. It's pew, pew, Vicky. Pew, pew. Pew, pew. Oh, my God. All right, we'll stop making turkey noises. Oh, man. But it just hitting the sauce hard here. I just noticed after I picked up my mimosa from the coaster... Check out the ass on fucking Harrison Ford, man. Like, really? <laughs> the coasters are Star Wars. Star Wars Who coasters. He's, like, turned around shooting, but he's definitely got his butt sticking out on purpose. Oh. 
Mine's not as good. <laughs> right? Look at that. That's badonkadonk. If yeah, it one. definitely is a pose for sure. He's like, oh, I'm going to shoot you. Look at my booty. Little old me's going to shoot Ugh. you. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Getting off topic. Anyway. That's what happens when you have a mimosa. <laughs> and also, I'm like coming back from a cold, so it's just like delirious for three weeks. <laughs> Ugh, okay, now for my story. Um, I was looking for one that wasn't a woman, because I feel like those get so sensationalized. I'm like, yeah, that's sorry. Find a man. No, no, no. I probably added to that, but oh well. <laughs> I I appreciate that you wanted to find a woman, because you're like, bitch. Dude, we <laughs> they kill we believe in equal representation on <laughs> yes. the show. So I wanted to, my goal was to find someone who killed, like, the most people. Okay. Like, a large family. Okay. So... I found one, and it's beautiful. Um, it's, I mean, it's not beautiful. It's so horrifying. To speak. So to speak. It's a beautiful story to tell. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this guy's name is Ronald Gene Simmons, not to be confused with the singer from Kiss. <laughs> uh, Although they are both equally hairy. I will show you a picture of him at the end. Um, <laughs> he murdered 14 of his family members and six strangers. Wow. Wow. Holy so shit. he's borderline spree killer, okay. but because he killed so many um, of his family members, they classify him as a, a family, family annihilator. annihilator. Yeah. <laughs> that is definitely, like, when I think of family annihilator, that would be, like, the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. He killed 20 people. Yeah. Jesus Christ. 20 crazy. people in, like, three days. So... Let's dive right into oh Ronald Gene Simmons. Uh, he was born in Chicago, Illinois. Um, but he lived most of his life in rural Arkansas as part of a Marine Corps family. So his dad was in the Marines, so they moved around a lot. Um, in 1957, he dropped out of school and joined the Navy. Um, he was stationed in uh, rural Washington, and there, while he was, you know, training, uh, he met his wife. And she has a very weird name, so I'm going okay, to Okay, I'm so it. ready. I'm so ready for this. Okay. For once, it's not me! <laughs> it's such a fucking weird name. Bursabi Rebecca Ulabari. Bursabi? Bursabi. How she do you went spell by that? Mecky. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Her middle name was Rebecca. Oh. Oh, Becky. <laughs> I thought you said Mecky. I don't know. <laughs> okay, icky. <Yeah. laughs> um... Her first name is spelled B E R S A B E. Bursaby. That's Bur- so. I don't. I don't know. I wonder what the if that's a family kind of nationality name or something. That is, yeah. But it's a weird name. Ew. Anyway, so the couple had seven children. <laughs> wow. Yikes. Yeah. Um, in 1963, he left the Navy. So he was in the Navy from 1957 to 1963, and then after two years, he decided to join the U.S. Air Force. Which I didn't know you could, like, jump between different branches of the military, but I guess you I can. I didn't know you could either, but I imagine <laughs> it's probably easier to do once you've been in the in military it, yeah. for so Yeah, so he went from the Navy to the Air Force, which is, like, weird to me. Um, and he was in the Air Force for 20-some years. He just wants nothing to do with anything on land. <laughs> right, he's like, I'm over it. <laughs> Literally. He was in the Air Force from 1965 <laughs> to 1979. That's a long fucking time. 65 to 70. Dang. So, I mean, Vietnam. Years? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> during his military career, he was awarded a Bronze Star um, the Republic of Vietnam Gallantry Cross for his service as an airman, um, and then the Air Force Ribbon for excellent marksmanship. 
So he was kind of also, like, really crazy about guns. He had lots and lots of guns. So okay. that was, like, his specialty in the Air Force. Yeah. Um, after he retired from the Air Force, um, he had, like, reached the ranking of Master Sergeant in 1979. So he just, like, whatever, I'm retiring. <laughs> after he got, like, the highest accolade you could possibly get. As you probably, like, I mean, you probably should. <laughs> I probably would. Um, so... <laughs> okay, so this is, like... This is going to get real weird real quick, okay? Okay, I'm so ready for it. I love stories like this. Uh, April 3rd of 1981, uh, Simmons was under investigation by the Cloudcraft Police Department of New Mexico, because that was the last place they were stationed. Um, by the Wait, Department- is Cloudcraft like the town? It's a town, yeah. Oh, okay. Cloudcraft, okay. New Mexico. Got it. Um, the Department of Human Resources was investigating him for allegations that he abused his 17-year-old daughter, Sheila, sexually, and had allegedly fathered a child with her. What? So, zero to ten in five seconds here. All right. So, what any person would do who, like, totally is like, I'm innocent, he fled New Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) Not where I thought you were going. He went straight back to good old Arkansas, which if you've ever been to Arkansas... This is the kind of thing that they accept on there? They're, like, totally chill with it. Oh, you have, like, a child who is not only your granddaughter, but your daughter? Totally legit. Oh, so weird. The mud country Uh, of Arkansas is gross. No, I've only been through Arkansas once, and I don't recommend it for anyone. Um, I just, if even if there's, like, (laughs) one little tiny little tiny part of you that wants to be proven innocent, like, the last thing you would want to do is flee. Don't too. flee. <laughs> like, oh, you guys are looking into something? Alright, I'm just gonna get out of here. Yeah. Like, I'll see you later. Mm, yeah. So, he first went to Ward, Arkansas, stayed there for a little while, and then they found a, like, a huge 13-acre um, tract of land on Mockingbird Hill in Dover, Arkansas. So that's where they, like, built their family compound. Oh, compound. Yeah, you know. It's legit when you call it a family compound. Yeah, the minute the word compound. Anytime, I feel like anytime the word compound is mentioned, I'm immediately like, oh shit, something's about to go down. Yeah. I was reading this article the other day about, um, they, like, put the White House on lockdown, mm-hmm. but in the article they referred to it as a compound, and I was like... Mm, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I wish they drank Kool-Aid. And right. we're like, bye. To be fair, it was flavored. Because <laughs> you're, you're in Guyana and you can't afford the it real shit. It was expensive. <laughs> so, um, they constructed their family compound and it was a set of mobile homes joined into one large Ultra mega mobile home. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously. Oh my god. It was like they made a U so, of mobile home. Oh. Okay, so they were like connected end to end instead of like side by side? Yeah. They were like end to end in a U shape. And they were like so legitimately weird. connected together, like a train car where you'd like go yeah. through a little hallway to get to the next one. Oh my god, can you imagine? <sighs> okay, <Gross>. so <laughs> my question is mm-hmm. did they have like like, families living in each mobile home? It didn't go into that. From my understanding is he still had a couple kids living there. Okay. Um, but most of them were older and moved out. Okay. Um, I, from I'm what I understand, thinking, I think it was just two kids that still lived there. Because I'm thinking, I am. this is what I imagine in my head, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so if you're going to make one mega mobile home, right? Mm-hmm. Just like this 
freak of nature mobile home. <laughs> okay. And you, I would make every home like a room and mm-hmm. just make it like one big house. Yeah. Okay. But, however, the thing is, is, like, if you put your bathroom in, like, the middle of the U, mm-hmm. and you take off, like, would you be able to just walk out and walk into the doors that were connected to the mobile home, or do you take the doors off so you have to walk all the way down the U? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. That's what I was like, were there, like, other people living there? Like, they I don't had, know. Because then, he would also, how many mobile homes did they have? Three connected together. Okay. So we have There was no bathroom in them, either. They what? had an outhouse. Oh. See, yeah. my bathroom question is irrelevant then. They had an outhouse, and they had an extensive garden. They built a huge privacy fence that was 10 feet high. Okay, completely, completely necessary. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> they had no telephone and no indoor plumbing. So they also had to get water everything from a well. Is, everything this, this guy does is, like, the most obvious oh, yeah. thing. I mean, like, he's okay. building a cult. Yeah. If, if I didn't know any better, oh, yeah. he was building a cult. Um, <laughs> gross. <laughs> so, yeah, so they had their giant gross mobile home and no running water, no bathroom. No bathroom. Ten foot tall privacy fence. Sounds like the makings of an amazing household. Oh, my God. Um, so they were there for, what, four years? Um, for four years before shit hit the fan in the most worst way possible. Okay. So 1987, December 22nd. I was just a wee babe. I was 20 days old. I didn't even think there was a sparkle in my father's no, eye. Yet. You weren't even wearing his pants. Nope. Ew. Too far. Nope. Too far. Sorry Cut about that. Cut that out. Cut that out. Sorry Edit. about that. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> Your mother does. She does. She Bless your mother for listening my, to my podcast. Avid listener. She and every time she listens, she's like, what the fuck's wrong with Janelle? It's so true. She's, she's, I don't know. Janelle really seems like she does not like her parents at all. Oh, way to bring that up on the Familicide oh, episode, I'm Vicky. Sorry. I'm uh, sorry. Okay. Oh, it's getting God. too real in here. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, God. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays! Tis <laughs> the season! Tis the season for murder! murder. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, 1987. Here we go. <laughs> Let's get back into the story. <sighs> okay, so he wakes up, and he <laughs> shoots his wife in bed. Oh. Bam, Rebecca. Blam, blam. Shoots her. Dead. Okay. Leaves her in bed. Um, goes into the kitchen, shoots his son, his eldest son, Gene. So they were um, coming, his family was coming in and out of um, town for the holidays. So there were some people there already, and some people were coming in for Christmas. So this is why he basically murdered his entire family. Yeah. So This happened to be the right, it's literally, tis tis the season. season. (laughs) Um, So he shoots Gene. Then he kills his three-year-old granddaughter, Barbara, by strangling her. Oh my gosh. Okay, so <clears throat> Simon takes the bodies of his, the, those three, um, and he throws them in a cesspit, which he had made his children dig out <laughs> oh. um, the previous day. So I don't know if, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with a cesspit, but it's kind of like um, like a septic field, basically, yeah. uh, for outhouses. <laughs> So when you build an outhouse and you're done with it, you like 
empty it out. Cover it and build a uh, build a new hole. Uh, so it was like the hole that was getting prepared for a new outhouse. Okay. Gross. Okay. Okay. Got it. <laughs> so he then went back into his house, made breakfast, and waited for the rest of his family to arrive. <laughs> and now we wait. <laughs> Okay, so then, in walks his 17-year-old daughter, Loretta. Uh, he strangled her and then held her underwater in their rain barrel outside. Because <laughs> I guess he, like, strangled her, thought she was dead, but then she came to. She just passed out. Yeah. And so then he drowned her in their rain barrel. I wonder if he had neighbors. I mean, he did have a 10-foot-tall um, security guard, so. From what my understanding is the... Dover area that he lived in was, like, yeah. middle of nowhere. Okay. Like, there wasn't a lot of people around. So... Because I feel like you would, if you had neighbors, like, you would be able to hear somebody getting drowned in think. the backyard. Yeah. <sighs> I would think. Maybe okay. not. So, there were three other children. Um, Eddie, Marianne, and Becky Jr., named after her mother. Um, wait, 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 wait. I didn't, do girls get the junior? Um, in the South, they do. Wasn't a th- I thought that was a male thing. In the South, they do. Becky Jr.? What the fuck is that? Okay, I'm sorry. Keep hey, going. You know That's what? not super respectful, because I know she's it's Arkansas. not around. But Yeah, she also died. <sighs> yes. Yeah, um, all three of them were strangled around uh, lunchtime. <laughs> wow. So this is like a... I find it interesting here. that he is strangle- strangling most of... Most well, of these are the younger kids. The victims. Well, that's just like a really personal yeah. thing. Like so a personal he, way to kill somebody. What, the pattern he's kind of doing is like shooting the adults and strangling the children. Oh, okay. So for my guess is that it's a little bit easier to strangle the children, um... Just because it probably wouldn't take as long because they're so tiny. Most yeah. of them um, are like grandkids okay. that he's killing. I gotcha. <laughs> um, and then his he had a few children that were a little younger, gotcha. uh, like teenagers. Yeah. Um, so he killed, let's see, how, what, what number are we at? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, we're at seven people. He killed seven people, right? This is the 22nd. So he... <laughs> dumped them all in the cesspit with the exception of the last three little kids where he laid them out in like the dining room. Okay. Okay. Now it's December 26th. So those kids are laying out for Christmas for four days. For Christmas. The rest of them are in a cesspit oh in the backyard God. in the middle of winter. So the rest of the family shows up for Christmas on the 26th. So Simon's son, Billy, and his wife, Renata, came into the home, and he shoots them both upon entering. Um, with them, okay, this is going to be, we're going to start getting into some babies dying, okay? Okay. Trigger warning. Um, they had a 20-month-old son named Trey, who he had strangled and then put a sack over his head and put him inside the rain barrel. Wow. So then next comes Sheila. So Sheila shows up at the house. She's the one who supposedly was sexually abused and had a child with her father. Oh, okay. Okay? He shoots her and her husband, Dennis McNulty. He then strangles the seven-year-old child that was with her. Uh, Sylvia Gale was her name. Now, there was a lot of speculation that that child was 
his, um, and after their death, they did DNA tests, and she was, in fact, fathered by her grandfather. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. That is nuts. Um, if I was her, I wouldn't be coming over for Christmas with my... Yeah. Incestuous offspring and my new husband. Yeah, yeah. You know? I'm surprised that they but, I mean, still abuse, have that kind of relationship. Abuse runs deep and Yeah, that's true. It also could it it could have been mutual. Yeah. It could have been a mutual thing between them. That's Gross. not it's not crazy to think that. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. They don't really discuss much of it after this. Um the case was closed after they did DNA testing, and they confirmed that that was his kid. So, that's Jeez. just, that's rough. Yeah. It's rough. Um, they also had a 21-month-old 20 grandchild, uh, Michael, that he strangled as well. Um, so, yeah, there's some, some little kids getting murdered here. Wow downer right now. So yeah. he laid the rest of the bodies of the family in the lounge area. So he had some in the dining room, some in the lounge. They were all covered with coats except Sheila, who was covered with Rebecca Simmons's best tablecloth. It was like a satin tablecloth that he laid over top of her. Wow. So I, I mean, that also to me is an indication that there's yeah. something deeper and weirder going on. Yeah. The fact that he just shoved coats over the rest of the people and put a satin tablecloth over the child that he was supposedly having an incestuous relationship with. Yeah. Um, it's rough. So um, he took the two bodies of the babies and wrapped them in plastic sheets and then left them in the abandoned cars that were in the driveway. I don't know why. I don't know what, like, what, what? <laughs> so he just took the two twenty, wow. the twenty month old and the twenty month old kid, and wrapped them in plastic and left them in one of the abandoned cars. That's gross. It's weird, right? It's I mean, weird. it doesn't even make well, I'm sense. Thinking, I feel like it would be a lot. Not that it's not bad, but it like the smell would be so much worse if it was in the summer. Um, yeah. And the fact that maybe the fact that it was in the winter, and I mean, Arkansas is a state that gets snow, right? I don't think so. Or they're, no, they're. Like close to Florida, I don't. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, my brother lives in Tennessee, and they yeah. don't get they don't get snow ever. And he lives like practically next to the mountain. What the hell? Like once you cross the Mason Dixon line, the yeah. <laughs> the chance of snow is very well. Because even in like Philadelphia, like Wani doesn't get a ton of snow because they're blocked by the mountains. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, That's so weird. Um, let's talk about weather for the rest of this episode. <laughs> I feel like a 65-year-old woman. It would probably make us feel a little better. <laughs> right? Because this is the you know. deepest, darkest nah, I'd rather talk about story I've kids. ever read. Yeah. It's just, ugh. <clears throat> so, after he was completely done killing his entire fucking family, he went to the bar and had a drink. Because why not? Because <laughs> that's what you do after you kill <laughs> your entire fucking family. I would need a fucking drink after that. Ugh. So he went for a drink, then he returned to the house... And, I mean, there were just corpses lined up around him, but he spent the rest of the evening drinking and watching TV into the morning of the next day. Wow. So just slamming beers, watching some, probably some Christmas movies on television, (laughs) while his entire house is filled with dead people. Wow. So, we're gonna... 
Fast forward to the morning of the 28th okay. of December. So two days later, he decides, you know what? He just lives with these I'm bodies not for finished. two days. Yeah, they're just wow. sitting out. At that point, I would imagine it's probably smelling. There's probably a lot oh, of yeah. fluids everywhere. Oh, yeah. Ew. That's gross. Um, <laughs> he drove to Russellville and walked into a business that he had previously worked at and shot the receptionist, Kathy Kendrick. So supposedly he murdered her because he had made sexual advances towards her and she rejected him, um, which was a, another reason why he left that job. So <laughs> he shoots her. Then he went to an oil company office where he had also worked previously. He went through a lot of jobs, if you yeah. catch what I'm going on here. Yeah. He shoots the uh, owner, Rusty Taylor, and his secondhand man, J.D. Chafin. Then he drives to a convenience store where he also previously worked. And he shoots uh, and wounds Roberta Woolery and David uh, Salier. Damn, he's just taking care of all his vendettas in like yeah. a week's time. <laughs> so then... Jesus Christ. <laughs> hold on, he's not done. Okay. Uh, he went to the office of Woodline Motor Freight Company, where he shot and wounded Joyce Butts in the head and her chest. Not in her butt, in her head and her chest. <laughs> Her last name is Wow, that sentence took me all over the place. <laughs> her name is Joyce Butts, but she was shot in the head and the chest. That's I wish she was shot for two. It would be amazing. Um, she survived, so I'm okay with okay. making one of her. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, that was terrible. <laughs> so, um, after he shoots Joyce Butts, he just... <laughs> so sorry, sorry Joyce. I'm so sorry. He sits down. And he waits in the waiting room with the secretary and tells her to call the police. And he just sits there and waits. All right. When they arrived, he handed the gun to them and said, uh, I surrender. Didn't put him to fight. Were they like, nothing. Surrender for what? Well, he was still in the office. He was still in the office where he shot that person. Oh, okay. So they only knew that he had shot that woman. Okay. Well, <laughs> after they had taken him in, he confesses to killing his whole family. So they roll over to his place, and they find... All the bodies. All the bodies. Jeez. And then, you know, the calls start coming in for the other people that were shot, and they just put it all together and realize that he had, like, Holy killed 20 people. Fuck, dude, that's so many! Um, three people that he shot did survive. The kind of random bystanders in the convenience store, they were okay. Um, I think Joyce was also fine. Um, <clears throat> so he, like, shot his whole family and then people that he used to work for. Yeah. So it was, like, a a weird sort of familicide, you know, spree-killing yeah. kind of combo. That I, there are there. some other cases like that, too, especially yeah. when it comes to, like, financial things. They'll, like, take out their family and then... I mean... My other question is, so all the killings <clears throat> took place basically on three separate days, but there were, like, days in between. In between, yeah. So, 22nd, 26th, and the 28th. So, basically from the 22nd to the 28th, mm-hmm. then? So, really, like, six days, seven days? Yeah. Give or take? Uh-huh. Jeez. And he was sitting in that house with all those people? Yeah. I can't even imagine. I mean, that's well, probably why that he by day the seven, whole time. Yeah, by day seven, he was like, all right, I'm done. All right, let's peace out and yeah. kill some more people. Oh, my, oh my gosh. gosh. Okay, so he was charged with 16 counts of murder, 
found guilty and sentenced to death. So his lawyer, John Bynum, offered a possible motive when he was presenting, um, and he had noted that a safety deposit box was discovered at the Bank of Russell in Russellville um, after Simmons was arrested. The letter seemed to indicate a very strong love-hate relationship between his daughter, Sheila. Uh, so the so the hypothesis of this was he wanted to be with his daughter in a relationship. It wasn't happening, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, she was married. She had other children. Yeah. They did, of course, have that. I can together. totally see now too why you would say it might have been consensual, like on her part too, because that yeah yeah. So, from what I was gathering, that it was probably consensual um, for most of it. Yeah. Maybe not so directly in the beginning. Yeah. But uh, maybe through the middle part of that, um, she kind of went along with it and was, like, okay with it. Um, And, obviously, she had just had a child with her husband. Yeah. Uh, So, I'm thinking that it probably set him off, and he wanted to just kill everyone. Just because he I wonder be if with her husband knew that her I mean, first child was—I don't know—they didn't discuss any of that really. Yeah, and I didn't really want to dive in because right, that yeah. is like that's just something I'm like the wondering deepest, out darkest loud. depths oh, of yeah. hell it's that so I don't weird. want to touch. Yeah, um, it. Oh god, yeah. that, that sort of—it's definitely disturbing. There's, I mean, there's a lot of serial killers that we talk about or we look into where they've had, you know. Not necessarily, you know, incestuous relationships because they wanted to, but right, yeah, <laughs> a lot of sexual abuse within the family, um, and it it does it does fuck you up for life. Oh yeah, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, I mean, she seemed to be like doing okay from yeah. what I read, um, which was probably another point of contention and a trigger for him. Um, it's just, it's hard to read this the stuff that they talk about yeah. him with his daughter. It's just hard. If you want to read into it, there is some notes on the investigation that was happening in New Mexico that caused them to flee to Arkansas, but, I mean, this is your warning. <laughs> Maybe not. Wow. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> the judge had actually ruled the letter that was found in the lockbox admissible. Um, so Simon, like, just fucking went batshit crazy. He lashed out at his attorney, punched him in the fucking face. Wow. Okay. And then unsuccessfully struggled to get the handgun off the deputy sheriff in the courtroom. So wait, was this like when the judge ruled it admissible, he just lost lost it in the courtroom? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, the officers rushed to the courtroom, chained him the fuck up. And pulled him out of there. I wonder, wait, what, this is in the 80s, right? Yeah. I wonder (laughs) if they would have video of that. It's possible. There was, it's really iffy out of courtrooms still have uh, video or if they just have audio or just like the transcripts, but like, that's crazy. Just this scene of just this guy like jacking his lawyer in the face and trying to like take the gun and do it. Yeah. That's rough. Um, so they obviously convicted him. He confessed. It was a no fucking brainer. I mean, his attorney was trying to kind of make it seem like, uh, Sort of an insanity kind of deal yeah. with the um, relationship with his daughter and the sort of, like, lust 
Yeah. And, and I think thing. at that point, it um, seems like when you, when you have somebody who kills, like, that number of people mm-hmm. that um, confesses to it, the first thing that the defense <clears throat> team does is try for, like, an insanity plea. Yeah, so they were... What he was just trying to do was get him um, away from the death sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, but that didn't work, because he was sentenced to death. <laughs> so... The this is this is another weird thing that's gonna I'm gonna start talking about. It's gonna take another fucking twist, okay? Oh god, I thought it was over. It's a roller coaster of what the fuck, okay? <clears throat> so he refused to appeal his uh death sentence, stating To those who oppose the death penalty, in my particular case, anything short of death would be cruel and unusual punishment. So he stated that he deserved to die. Okay. And he's not, he didn't put any appeals forth. He didn't even try to get life in prison. He said, I deserve to die. So he didn't put up a fight. Um, the trial court conducted a hearing concerning Simon's competency to waive further proceedings. Yeah. And they concluded that his decision was knowing and intelligent. Okay. So they investigated just to make sure that he was competent enough to be aware of what he was doing. Yeah. Um, and not, you know, cuckoo bananas, like, yeah. <laughs> I deserve like, to die! Comprehend <laughs> yeah. how it he works He was fully courts. aware, yeah. and he was okay with it. So they said, okay, we're okay with proceeding with a death penalty on this one. Wow. Now, this is where it takes a fucking weird turn. Okay? So, Simons actually became the subject of a United States Supreme Court case, Whitmore versus Arkansas, okay? Another death row inmate, Jonas Whitmore, attempted, unsuccessfully so, though, to force an appeal on Simons' case, okay? Oh, wait, another inmate? Another inmate, who was also on death row with him, tried to force an appeal on Simons' case. This was his defense here. Um, so, while on death row, Simons had to be separated from other prisoners as his life was constantly being threatened. This was because he refused to appeal his his death sentence. The other prisoners believed that Simons was damaging their chances of beating their own death sentence appeals. So, um, what Whitmore did was he put in his case to pursue his own, um, appeal he stated he had put in a habeas corpus claim and filed a motion stating that Simon's crimes were far worse than his and that he believed that if his habeas corpus plea in federal court was unsu- was successful and he was granted a new trial in which he was convic- convicted anew during a sentencing review, his single murder would look far less worse than Simon's massacre of 16 people. Okay? So he argued... He suffered injury by Simon's lack of appeal, and therefore the absence of Simon's murder being considered during a comparative review. Lack of appellate review violated the Constitution's protection against cruel and unusual punishment and due process. Whitmore also filed as next friend to Simon's, like his, like, next of kin, sort of. Okay. Um, <clears throat> stating um, Simon's name... And the appeal himself that Simons had refused, and it was um, that he was trying to force it in good conscience, was what the wording was. So basically what I got out of this was these death row inmates, um, actually other people signed on to it, not just Whitmore. Yeah. They were stating that since he 
didn't have an appeal. It would make their cases look worse because he had killed 16 people, whereas the other inmates had only killed one to two. Whitmore had um, broken into a house and strangled an old woman, and he was on death row. So he was saying that his chance of review, his habeas corpus review, was going to be negatively affected because there was no other cases at the time to compare to, to have a precedence, so yeah. to speak. Um, it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it went all the way to the fucking argument, Supreme but I, Court. I feel like, I mean, yikes. Um, I feel like that would <clears throat> help them, though, wouldn't you think? Be, like, because... He has killed so many people. He deserves to be on death Yeah, but I guess if he doesn't have his appeal, then you don't have the proceedings in, like, the appellate court. Exactly. So you can't use those as precedents. I had to reread this case, like, five times for me to understand what the fuck was going on. That's interesting. And I was like, how can you even do that? How can you file for another person's appeal... If yeah. you have nothing to do with the case, it's just out like crazy to me. I'm just gonna throw this out there, um, Jillian, if you're <laughs> listening, who is our legal expert. Yeah. Let us know because this is like, yeah, a little. I think this is a little bit beyond our, our expertise, our layman quote, unquote expertise. Yeah, um, but it's a fascinating case if you have time to read it. It's called Whitmore versus Arkansas. It takes you on a roller coaster ride of like, what the fuck? But I understand where he was coming from. I mean. In comparison to Simon's, uh, you know, murders, his yeah. looks like fucking child's play. Yeah. He tried to steal so from an true. old woman and killed her. Yeah, you compared know? to a man who murdered literally his murdered his strangers. Yeah, yeah, in cold blood. <laughs> yeah, like wow. Ugh. So I mean, that obviously Ooh. didn't move forward. But on May thirty first, Arkansas, the time Governor Bill Clinton. Uh, signed Simon's execution warrant, and he was sentenced to death on June 25th of 1990 by lethal injection. Wow. Yeah. Bill Clinton, huh? Yeah. Wasn't expecting that in your story. (laughs) I was, where's your crazy twist warning about that? And another crazy twist. Bill Clinton! Bill Clinton! (laughs) Is he part of the body bags? Was it all a conspiracy? (laughs) Full circle! Oh my god. Wow, that was crazy. Yeah. That is insane. And especially for a case, like you said, that is technically considered familicide, Mm -hmm. um, to have killed so many people in your family. There's a lot of people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, guys. (laughs) Something for you to discuss over turkey. Yeah. Well, you know, it's... It was mortifying. I just, like, it's just funny because I was reading about this and... I was sitting on the couch, my dog's on my lap, like, just whatever, cuddling me. It's like this cute little scene. I'm just reading about someone murdering their whole family, and I'm just going, oh, what? My boyfriend's like, what? I'm just like, this dude murdered his whole family around Christmas. He's like, uh, maybe you should stop reading that. (laughs) Which also makes me think, man, if this is our Thanksgiving episode, our Christmas special is going to be crazy. It's going to be extra special. It is. I can't wait to talk about murder yes. around Christmas. <laughs> It'll be just like every other Christmas. It's like Christmas. one of my favorite seasons. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I just love from October 31st. Let's just be real. From when really Halloween starts October, October 1st. First. <laughs> to December 31st is like my season, girl. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's what I feel I like amazing. The season. I just throw presents it's in jolly. people's faces. I make like loads of cookies. Mm-hmm. 
Well, shit, man. If you are looking for something else to listen to over your Thanksgiving holiday, Ooh. transition suggestion. Um, yeah, so I do have my podcast corner. What are we? Yeah, calling? I don't know what if we had a name for. It. What was it? I don't remember. I don't it was remember. like a week ago when I listened to the episode. <laughs> so I have no idea. Yeah. Um, okay, so the suggestion I have this week, I actually kind of stumbled upon by accident. It, my mom just recently got a Facebook. The only reason is so that she can be connected with her book club, <coughs> nice. which is cool. But I said, well, you should like like our podcast page while you're on there. And so I was going on there to fix something for her. So I happened to be looking at our Facebook page mm-hmm. um, like as another user. And it was like suggestions you would like. And I was kind of scrolling through and happened uh-huh. to see this one. So um, it's called Misconduct. It's a true yeah. crime podcast hosted by Colleen and Eileen, who are related. They're uh, aunt and niece. I actually listen to this. Do you? (laughs) Um, Each week they discuss the facts, theories, and opinions of resolved and unresolved crimes, wrongful convictions, and miscarriages of justice. So far, they've covered cases like The Grim Sleeper, Richard Rosario, Sneha Phillip, which I think is a crazy case. I want to read The Grim Sleeper. um, Luca Magnata, and so many more. It's a really great podcast. I Mm -hmm. really love it. Yeah. I think I'm follow it. It's one of my... Yeah, I think they do an excellent job. They present the facts. They're very objective. So check it out if you need something to listen to. I actually have a suggestion to this week. Do you? Oh my god. I went bananas. You were giving podcast. me a really weird look before you like, said that. That was a look I've not so seen like, before. Are you ready for this shit? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, if you guys listen to My Favorite Murder, obviously, lots of people do. Um, Georgia Hardstark also does other podcasts with Allie Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, like, the bedtime one. Yeah. Um, but Allie Ward actually started her own podcast called Ologies. Okay. And it is about going and researching different studies of things. Okay. So, like, th- like theology, thanology, psychology, sociology. They go into all these, like, fears of death, fear of, you know, the mixology? ocean. I hope they do a mixology. <laughs> it technically does, is an ology. She actually did a show on Food Network, or was it the Cooking Channel? I forget. With, yeah. with Georgia Hardstark, where they oh, did cocktails. Okay. Which yes. is funny that you mentioned yes. mixology. Okay. That's funny. Um, I'm obsessed with learning about stuff. Mm-hmm. And, oh my god, what was the previous episode? They just did one for Halloween um, that I was obsessed with. And I cannot... It's called Thanatology, and it is just discussing the fear of dying and death. It is amazing. I highly recommend it. Um, it's just, ugh, I get sucked in. It's, I like I actually kind of, don't know if I would like that one very why? much. I'm not going to oh, talk brings, about it on the podcast. She brings humor to it, <laughs> and it's just so funny. Yeah. And she talks with, like, actual people who study these things. Um, but the last That's one, crazy. the last one about death, she's like, she has this horrible fear of dying. Mm-hmm. Like she thinks about it all the time. So she's like, this is like a big one for me. Yeah. She like went into the study of dying and it, it was just like this rabbit hole. Oh God. Oh, it's amazing. It just sucked me the fuck in. <laughs> well, check it out guys. Yeah, check it out. It's amazing. <laughs> um, do we have, oh, we got to talk about merch mm. real quick. We're very close. Like a week away. One week. Yes, guys. Our merch store will be open exactly one week from today. 
It's just in time for Christmas. If you're a Patreon supporter, you're going to get a discount code for Christmas. Yeah. Um, if you decide to become a Patreon supporter, you will also get a discount code for Christmas. Um, the more you actually donate, the better coupon code you're going to get. So, um, if you just donate a dollar, you'll get, you know, a nice coupon code to use in the store. Um, there's going to be a variety of stuff to choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to yeah. be amazing. It's going to be really great. excited. So keep an eye out for that. We will send out the details definitely to like our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Once we have the store up, open, and running, that will be a week from today on November 26th. Mm-hmm. So keep an eye out for that. Yes. Um, head on over to our Patreon page for real, guys. Yeah. I've been putting up some legit shit right now. Um, we're looking for listener stories, so I did a little teaser, um, for Halloween, if you guys want to check that out. Um, your local haunt story, or, you know, the fucking crime that started it all for you, we want to hear from you. Send it to our, uh, Gmail account, um, you know, send it to our Twitter, our Facebook, anywhere you want to go. Um, we'll read your story on a listener's, a future listener episode, um, if you do decide to donate to Patreon, we do have our Bad Taste Bites that we do on a mostly weekly basis. <laughs> we're trying. I mean, we got a little busy with the merch store, so there were a yeah. couple weeks where we were like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> we forgot. <laughs> and if you don't feel like you want to have a recurring donation, mm-hmm. um, you can also do a one-time donation to our PayPal. It's thebadtastecrimecast at gmail.com. Yes, we would appreciate that so greatly. We'll send you a little something if you do do a one-time donation. Kind of try to get mm-hmm. some little things started yeah. for some of our supporters. Yeah. I do want to say thank you to those that have contributed, and thank you to those of you who have sent us some really kind words. It's been really great. Yeah. Um, hearing some good feedback. Yeah, we actually have an iTunes review. Oh, shit! It's been a long time, guys. What? It's been a long time. I'm so time. ready for it. Okay. You guys, are you ready? This is iTunes Review. Special Chanel. thank you to... Um, this is by Zombri81. <laughs> I like that. It is entitled, The Best Around. <laughs> oh, thank stop you. it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh. All right. Um, glad to know I'm not the only one who sees bags on the side of the road and thinks bodies. <laughs> oh. Every fucking time. Every day. It's so true. Uh, thank you, Zombri. <laughs> love you, ladies, and can't wait for more. Uh, thanks. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much. We, we love you, you too. Yeah, I've actually discussed that a lot with people, how we think that garbage bags on the side of the road are bodies. It's really common. Yeah. It's more common than you think. <laughs> um, you got anything else? Uh, no. I mean, have a great holiday, guys. Yeah. Thanks for joining um, us. <laughs> I want to say thanks to <coughs> Tiff and Jason. Our sound and editing is done by Tiff Weech. Our music is done by Jay 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 Let me try that again. Our music is done by Jason Z, the Enigma. You just got so excited to hit that button. <laughs> I sometimes, I can't, like, get my words out. Okay. It just doesn't, it's, it's not like we're recording or anything. Right right <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not like we can, like, edit that out or something. No, never. It won't be. It'll still be in there. Because <laughs> yes. we're real. Keep all the good shit. <laughs> but seriously, guys, have a great Thanksgiving. Yes. Please don't kill your family. <laughs> yeah. Please don't. Um, <laughs> until next that time. turkey yeah. tight. <laughs> real tight. Real tight. Real tight. Hey, guys. Have a great Thanksgiving. Yeah. Bye. Bye. It was as if a wave of evil washed over this town. We are all people in some form or another. Suck a